You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Oh, great. You made it. Uh, yes, I found the spot that you wanted me to meet you at. I know it could be a little hard to get to, so thank you for following those directions so well. Of course, of course. So why did you want to meet me here in these woods? Well, I wanted to tell you an actual true story. This story is about two podcasters that set out to discuss classic episodes of a truly terrifying show that took place in these very woods. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Tale of the Spooky Podcasters. Welcome to this week's Radical Retro Rewind. We are talking 1990s cult classic, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Again joining me is my incredible guest, Rob, from Brunch with the Hollowells and Movie Geek and Proud. Welcome back, Rob. Thank you so much. Of course, Ryan. So glad to be back once again. And let me just point out that I have heard your second episode, and it is really, really good. Uh, For those who have not heard it yet, Uh, They did an episode on Gem and the Holograms animated cartoon, and it is so full of information. I had no idea that's what this show was. I don't have too much memory of it. And listening to your episode, it completely blew my mind that the show is what it is. And I, I had no idea. And so if you guys had any interest in hearing about Gem and the Holograms, again, uh, listen to his episode. It's so good. So I'm so glad to be back on the show. That was so sweet. Thank you so much. But it, it does make me curious to go back and, and watch it somehow because it was completely different than what I thought it was. So yeah, I mean, if it's anything like a soap opera, I am so down. <laughs> 
it's so it's so soap opery, but it also has such a magical '80s glitter on it. So you get the songs, but then you also get Child Protective Services. Yeah. <laughs> so Rob on his amazing podcast, as I can't say enough, my favorite favorite podcast of all time, Brunch with the Hollowells, the original Charmed podcast where he and his co-host, Sean, go through each episode one by one, review it. They just had their 100th episode. Yes, we surpassed episode 100, or I guess in our case, the 100th recap episode, as we've done like bonus episodes in between. So I'm sure we've surpassed 100 earlier, but we I'm most likely, I think when this is posted, it'll either come out that same week or the following Sunday um, in October. Uh, will be our 100th episode. So I, I find that to be a wonderful milestone for me personally, because I didn't think that I would make it this far. To be honest, Sean could have easily just been like, I hate this show. It's dumb. And it's no Buffy. And I'm I don't want to do the show anymore. And he has just kept going. And I love that. And I'm 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 excited that I was able to make it to 100. So yeah, so far, so good. He's going because he's actually enjoying the show. Yeah, I I genuinely think that he does like it. And to the point of at least watching it in the pace that we're doing and being able to talk about it with someone, I think also helps too. But um, yeah, so far he, he does like it. I mean, there are some episodes that are not as good as others, but as a first viewer, he's enjoying it. So um, yeah, that's every Sunday during brunch time is usually when I post episodes. And of course, there is a Patreon for anyone out there who wants early access to any of these episodes and bonus content. Sometimes we'll do a bonus episode here and there. And um, yeah, Patreons are uh, able to suggest the type of episodes that we give just exclusively exclusively for them. But Sean and I usually try and concentrate on other witchy topics or themes, you know, to uh, complement Charmed. And just yeah. stay in that sort of witchy theme vibe. So yeah, yeah, it's fun. I think anybody who is a fan of witches in general, not just Charmed, will enjoy our show. So to get into a little more witchy news, let's head into our retro news segment. Last week, I discussed with... David, that the Craft reboot was coming out, and at the time, there was no trailer. Well, the trailer dropped, and matter of fact, Rob sent me this trailer. What do you think, Rob? What did you see that you enjoyed? What did you see that might you might question? Okay, so I really enjoy the original, so if anything I say comes off as biased, I do apologize. I looked at this trailer and judged it for what I saw, regardless what the movie is going to be, right? I gotta say that I am very curious. I am not turned off by this movie at all. I love witches in general, and and I want to support those witch movies that are out. What I'll start with what I don't like. What I don't like is the advertising campaign they have for this movie. I think it is a total disrespect to the original that they are going to release a trailer less than a month before its release. No, no um, talk shows, no huge articles about it. They didn't talk about it any earlier. It's just a movie that they just want to put out on Prime. And not to hate on movies that do that, I just think that this movie should be given a little bit more respect because it is a remake of a 90s movie that is almost an, you know, a classic at this point. Um, 
you know, as far as in the witchy category, to be PG-13, to be relatable, to hit 90s, like, marks so good on the timing, the language, the everything, and then to just be like, yeah, here's a charm sequel. And then, like, no, I think it deserves a little bit more respect. The other thing that I don't like is the fact that they've titled the movie Legacy. That is the worst thing that you can do because they are looking for those ties from the first one to complement the original. You don't put Legacy on there unless you've got almost every cast member from the first one in this one. You Like, the ties between the two better be legit. Otherwise, Legacy my Legacy whatever. Like, that's not good. I don't like that. The other thing that unfortunately did not hit the mark with me is the CGI. It just seems like these Instagram and TikTok filters are clearly being used to relate to the somewhat teens that are using those devices. And I mean, as you saw in the trailer, it did not, it just didn't look, I don't know, maybe these girls are into that type of beauty and and you know makeup and all that stuff but i mean it just it just didn't look right even for a teen i'm an adult i get it the movie is not for me it's for the teens maybe the teen will love this special effects but for me i don't i just i can't i'm wondering if it's the one scene that i'm thinking of that stands out with the cgi the one bathtub scene where it looks like fireflies are like hovering around but it's like the the cheapest looking like rob is saying like snapchat filter looking glittery effect but i i think we are somewhat of the audience because they do want to appeal to original fans but you're right they're not doing a very good job there's no articles there's no oh this is a 1990 classic that is being rebooted every other reboot gets articles continuously so i wonder if that is asking something yeah the, the last thing that I'll mention as far as what I don't like is the fact that I don't enjoy movies that are reboots, but also sequel. I think you should pick a lane because what we're seeing is a continuation of the first story, but magically they just so happen to be saying the same phrases, yes. doing the same tricks. And the way that the trailer set it up, which I do enjoy, is that we're seeing this reboot fashion of, oh, they're doing light as feather, stiff as a board, you know, watch out for those weirdos. They're initiating this one girl into the group. There's the one black girl. So, I mean, they're keeping, I know it's ridiculous, but they're keeping the same sort of outline. Then later in the trailer, we get a reveal of a photograph of someone from the original, which now tells us it's a sequel. I lost it at that point. I was like, oh my God, this is a sequel. Yay. Right. But given the rest of the trailer, they're still repeating a lot of the things that happen. So unless there is a literal meta reason to be going through the same scenes as before, oh, let me put a spell on a guy that I like. It's either a different dimension, going through the same thing, fate will always go through the same format, whatever, I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous to do a sequel and a reboot at the same time. I don't like that. But here's what I do like. This is what I really like. The fact that the craft is being remade differently. I didn't want to see the same movie again. It looks like they are changing a few things. And from the trailer, and I could be wrong, but from the trailer, it seems that in the original, they initiated the fourth 
and she was our protagonist. She was the yeah. good witch. In this one, it looks like they are initiating a new girl who comes off as someone who needs a hug, but I think she is going to turn into the bad one. The Nancy character. The Nancy character. And I think that is a wonderful twist. Hopefully that's the direction that they're going. Because this new girl is it's getting weighed into her head. She's 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 getting a little too sinister. And I think when it's time to bind somebody, it's gonna be this new girl. So we'll see. The other thing I really like is David Duchovny is in this. Praise him. Where did he come at it? I know, right? I love that David Duchovny is in this film. I think that's great. I also love the fact that one of our four witches is a trans woman. Did I miss that? You missed that. Yes. Um, I didn't really catch her name in the trailer, but um, I believe she was the tallest one out of the group. And um, yeah, so that is played by a trans actress. And I am so happy that that is included in this new one because... If anyone needs, I think she's playing the Nev Campbell one that doesn't really want to show her body. She's very shy. She's covered up in all these clothes. And I think hopefully in some part of the movie, she's going to get that confidence. Like I'm trans. I don't care. And I'm going to love that forever. So hopefully that storyline is used correctly. And, um, you know, you guys probably can't see me, but I'm a person of color. I'm African-American. And I also think that our signature black witch is going to be everything just from what i saw in the trailer i think she is going to be so good everything i just from the trailer she looks badass and i cannot wait i'm wondering if she's the lead witch yeah yeah it really kind of seems she might even be sort of the lead in this but um their powers are also um enhanced they're doing a lot of telekinesis in this, and and that is something that they didn't do much of in the original. I think they might even fly more. So I want to watch it. I'm I'm excited to watch it, but I, I I don't think that it's going to be anywhere close to the first one, and I don't want it to be. What I want is to see a really smart film, and to not to treat their young audience like idiots. They do not need a kid version. I think they are old enough and smart enough to deal with a real somewhat gritty movie like the first one did. Yeah, October 27th. Available on Amazon Prime. Yup, yup. Okay, to continue with Witches, we get another reboot. This time it's Angelica Houston's The Witches from 1990. But this time we got Anne Hathaway, Octavia Spencer, and Chris Rock is the adult narrator. This looks amazing. You think this is good? I'm excited. I feel like the witches terrified me as a child. Oh my god, when those women lose their hair. Yeah. Oh, I'm terrifying. Angelica Houston in that movie was amazing. I am excited for this. Uh, I think that they changed it up enough to make it its own, as I was saying about the craft. Um, am I going to miss the darkness of the first one? Yes, I'm going to miss that quite a bit. But I'm okay, because you know what? I trust Robert Zemeckis. He's one of my favorite directors. I trust him. Um, this movie hits such a, a mark with me because of their amazing practical effects. And I don't think we're going to get that. I think everything's going to be CGI from her transformation to the rats. Um, it, it, it sucks that we may not get 
a lot of um, practical effects because that makeup in that first one was so good. But what I the, the only thing that I want in the witches is is hopefully we get at least one scene that is just as dark as this first scene in the witches and that is when that random woman comes down and tries to talk this kid out of the tree to get some chocolate and he was calling for his grandma and she was trying to talk him down like that whole scene is terrifying i don't know if we're gonna get a heavy scene like that in this first one i think this this remake is just gonna be a lot of fun a lot of bright colors and just a lot of shenanigans and a lot of action and a lot of special effects um it does look like there's going to be a lot of interaction between the grandmother and the grand high witch i want to see those two duke it out and um that's what i'm actually looking forward to the most yeah yeah and stanley tucci that's all i need so this movie comes out on hbo max starting october 22nd the right inside before the craft before the craft yeah one week apart so we'll have something for this halloween season so this is a very witchy year so i put out a poll on my brunch with the hollowell's instagram and i asked everyone which movie they're more excited for and i believe it came out to 58% to 42% for the witches. I think I might have voted twice on two different accounts. So, <laughs> But what are you more excited to, to watch, the witches or the craft legacy? Because I did love the craft, and I feel like that's such a movie of our time when we were growing up and we were young adults. I would have preferred the craft, but seeing the two trailers next to each other, I have a feeling that the witches is just going to beat it. Not only... Yes... It's going to be, it looks like a bigger budgeted movie. So of course, like you said, the colors are popping, but I am also a little nervous about the legacy part, like you're saying, and the mixing of a reboot and how is it magically? Yes. That we're having the same conversations, the same scene by scene. Are they going to the beach? What's going to happen? As of now, I'm going to say the witches is what I'm looking forward to. Okay. Very good. Yeah. I'm more excited for the witches, but I am more curious about craft. 100%. But I feel like I'm hoping that that curiosity doesn't come back to bite us after. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Without further ado, this week's topic. So Are You Afraid of the Dark was another show that scared the crap out of me growing up. So what is with us in the 90s? They wanted children to be afraid? A constant state of mortification? Well, I mean, I think that even as kids... You know, it's fun to play tricks and, and, you know, Halloween has always been presented as a horrific holiday as opposed to a joking, you know, trickster holiday. You know, April Fool's Day, we could easily just be like, ooh, that's the trick one. And then even in Halloween, this is also a trickster holiday, but this is when we get that sort of semi-horror excitement and adrenaline into kids as much as we can you know we want to wear scary costumes as opposed to friendly and funny ones and i think shows like this were needed and evidently we turned out all right i mean yeah we're doing podcasts <laughs> we're not doing anything else <laughs> we're not uh, yeah exactly causing ruckuses <laughs> so the last time that rob was on i said that he basically knows everything 
a few years ago, Rob had a podcast that can be found currently on YouTube called Bitch, I Ain't Scared. And he had the most <laughs> amazing conversation that basically covered every episode, I feel like, of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Every storyteller, every character. This is episode 36, if anyone's interested in finding this. But he had the most in-depth conversation that I almost felt bad asking him to come back on the show this week to discuss an episode. Because this is really the definitive, definitive conversation for me I feel like I listened to it how long was it it's a it's a quite a good chunk yeah yeah we so bitch I ain't scared was a horror podcast that I had started it was my very first one that I had and I did it with a friend of mine so he had a co-worker who is obsessed with this show if not pop culture in general and so we had to have him on the show and he was more of the expert than I was you know I had good memory on most things but if anything he would correct me on on things that I may have said or announced differently yeah throughout just a casual conversation we almost ended up talking about every single episode as far as the first set of seasons which was one through five uh that was you know the first set before it got revived later on but yeah we basically just kind of talked about in any shape or form what episodes we like dislike cameos things like that and yeah we almost ended up hitting every single one and yeah it was a really fun conversation and and just to talk about a show like this with other adults who watched it as much as i did but you know i barely had any friends watching this with me when i was younger and now i'm old and can talk about this as if it's on right now. I mean, there were a lot of fans for this show, I think. But on YouTube, you would find it under fear bias. Uh, Bitch, I ain't scared is is abbreviated into bias. And so fear bias is how you find the page. And then yeah, like you said, episode 36 is where we have this almost 90 minute conversation about Afraid of the Dark. And we try and hit as much facts and trivia as we can, but we mostly just share our love for the show. They hit a lot of facts. You will remember things that you didn't even know you remembered when they're discussing this. They also have a Goosebumps <laughs> episode, so along the same lines, 90s kids, it was either Goosebumps, I feel like, or Afraid of the Dark. What, what, which one did you prefer? Do you have a preference? So I remember asking this question on the episode, and I was definitely going to ask you at the end of this, but um, no, Afraid of the Dark was my jam because it was scarier, and I preferred that over Goosebumps. I think Goosebumps had better twists, um, but Afraid of the Dark, definitely I have more of a latch on to than Goosebumps does. Same for me. I feel like Goosebumps, though, had more of the, it had more of the public awareness because of the books, and it was just so popular for so long. You can get the masks and, you know, it was such a pop culture phenomenon, but Are You Afraid of the Dark is such a product of its time. It captures things, I feel like, so beautifully when they're not torturing no. children and having them turn into some kind of creature. So we both picked two episodes that we wanted to bring for this week. Both of us watched each other's episodes. Rob, what did you pick? So I have a lot of favorites in this show. I mean, this show produced some of one you know some of the best storytelling that i've ever heard as far as as a kid you know and when you compare it to other anthology stories like you know tales from the crypt creep show things like that we weren't old enough technically to watch that stuff even though i did but at the same time we were given something that kids can watch and still 
fall into that same sort of format the way that the adults can watch their horror anthologies right so you know the episode that i'm presenting is maybe not the best episode of the series but it is my favorite and that is laughing in the dark i feel like this is a classic of the series if people remember anything it's the clown episode yeah so this was the second episode that aired this was so funny about this show because it aired in canada i believe a year maybe almost two years before it hit us from what i remember the the series aired in canada and i think maybe a year almost two years it didn't hit us because the us rejected it the nickelodeon or i i, I can't remember if there was another network that tried to get the, and they didn't like it they were just like i don't yeah we're not doing this but then the showrunners of new york i think went under you know different leadership and the person, you know, looked at the script and read it and all this stuff. And they were just like confused as to why this wasn't picked up before. Because this is genius. And so it took a while for the American audience to really latch on to this while it was airing in Canada this whole time. So as far as premiere dates go, they're a little different. But this is the second episode of the series. But this was my first episode. I feel like this was my first episode too. So again, it gets a little bit different because even in the DVDs, if you were to buy it the first episode is the phantom cat and this is the episode where we already have a, a group and they're initiating or auditioning for a new group and that's frank and he is the person that creates dr vink right and so that was supposed to be the first episode but the one that i saw first was laughing in the dark and then Phantom Cab, I think, was next after that. But what's also funny is that technically Phantom Cab wasn't even the first episode. So there was a Halloween special I love that. that aired that had nothing to do with the whole series as a whole. On Halloween, they just put something out there in 1990, and it was the Tale of the Twisted Claw. Because the episode aired, or yeah, aired on Halloween, and they had a Halloween theme in the episode. So that aired first, then the series. So was that almost a possibly a pilot slash one-off special, but hopefully it was going to get picked up into something? And It was one of the two, and I think it almost took a year for the series to come out, even though that Halloween special was first. I had no idea of this show as far as a Halloween special. My first experience was Laughing in the Dark. It was brilliant. Now, I believe at this age, I was already exposed to Stephen King's It. So oh I knew God. I knew how clowns could be scary, right? So with that being said, I'm watching this episode and I'll just give like a brief sort of rundown of it and then we can just talk about it. So basically it is about three kids, Josh, Ouija and Kath. They are all at an amusement park and they have sort of this loving friendship but heavy rivalry on making sure that the other is like a scary cat. All they do is just poke fun at each other for being the scariest one of the group. And so they approach this um, attraction where it's just sort of like a mini haunted house that has been revived as a haunted house with a Zebo the Clown sort of theme to it. Basically, you go through the house and then you end up in this room with a whole bunch of doors. Pick the right door and you'll go free. Pick the wrong door and there he'll be. So basically, one of the doors has the clown, Zebo the Clown. He just pops out. And then one of the doors 
as the exit while the rest are decoyed. Um, let me just point out that um, this story is told by Betty Ann, who is my favorite storyteller. She is something, Betty Ann. She is. And one of the reasons why I really love her stories is because not all of them end in happy endings. And I think that serves as a twist, but also you have no idea where her stories are going to go. Her story... Um, in this episode, technically did not get a um, introduction, a campfire introduction. It, it eventually got the introduction, but not at first, because usually every episode would start with the group of kids, then lead into the episode. This one started her story, then went back. And if I remember correctly, this is also the only episode that went back to the kids more than twice. I was going to ask you that because going back to watch this episode, I thought it cut off the beginning when they were telling the story because it had, did go right into the story before the campfire. Yeah. yeah there yeah. wasn't many episodes that did this, right? No, not many. But a, a big thing was that they didn't, they wanted to make sure that the kids that were watching this show were watching a story being told and that this wasn't real. So they had to remind everyone that this is a story being told by other kids. So they would cut back to the campfire kids to remind you, this is just a story. It's not real. Then they would go back. So that was the reason why you got that little interlude. It makes sense too. It does cut the tension, especially if you are terrified. Exactly. Back to the story, they are approached by this sort of carny person, the person running the ride, and he encourages him to go, and they pass. So then they're like, oh, nobody wants to go in. You must be scared. So they make a bet. I, like, um, who is it? It's Josh, Josh, played by Kristen Tessier. So he is challenged to go in, go through the ride, and hopefully not be scared. But they want proof that he goes all the way through the ride. So he says, well, I'm going to steal the clown's nose when I go through. And this is what I found so funny, too, is because he may have won. So he goes through the house, or the haunted house, and he grabs the nose. But what they don't know is that he was scared the whole time. The whole entire time, right. So just because he completed the bet doesn't mean he wasn't scared. And I just think that's so funny is that this whole bet was ridiculous in itself. But he still knows. He picked the right door first, too, right? He would have gone free. Yeah, he picked the right door. He could have gone through and gone out, but he needed to get that nose to prove his point. So he had to go and find the nose. So he steals the nose. And this is where we find out that you've desecrated this person's resting place because it turns out that Zebo the Clown is based on an actual person. There was a clown named Zebo who smoked cigars like crazy but he also was a criminal he stole a payroll of the circus and he ended up getting chased by police into this haunted house and because of his cigar smoking he burnt the ride down with him inside so that means that he is resting there and the fact that you stole his nose the ghost has arisen and it is hinted that he will be haunted until the nose comes back so the rest of the episode basically plays off with these little nods that this ghost or some kind of being is following them and eventually wants his nose back if you want me to go away. So there's a lot of things that we can talk about, but basically he gets scared and pushed into returning back to the ride and given the nose back. And um, he also leaves an, an offering, a box of cigars in good faith. I am so sorry. I didn't mean to steal your nose. And then... The ride lets him out. And then we find out that the carny 
says his line again. It's the most fun in the park when you're laughing in the dark. But then he pulls out a cigar and smokes it. Now, this tells us that the carny is not only a ghost, but is Debo the clown the whole time. I love that twist. I love... (laughs) First off, I love that this kid, Josh, was able to buy back in the day a carton of cigars. Now, I think that he stole that from his father because how would he even know what cigars smell like to begin with, in my opinion? That's one of my favorite parts as well when he <laughs> he's outside his house and he just sees this smoke coming from the basically what the side of his house and he's like, that's cigar smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so my theory is he stole that from his dad. I can't be dealing with haunted houses. I am still to this day scared to go through them. I don't care how cheap looking or cheesy they are. I it's It's really hard for me. I get very tensed up. So just the plot of this is already scaring me. And yeah, I think there were a little bit of tension when I was watching it when I was younger, but it was a fun tension. You know, I I got a thrill out of watching this, even though it did scare me a little bit. I didn't get any nightmares or anything like that. I didn't develop any phobias. This was a fun scare. You didn't develop a clown phobia like- I like when you can get scared. And I think that this is a story that, you know, I think is a good example of what I wanted. And so I kept watching it and I thought it was great. One of the things that Zebo does do is he gets, he calls Josh and he does that, bring it back over the phone. And it's scary and it doesn't need to take much. You don't need to see Zebo to see anything, to be afraid. Matter of fact, the biggest scare for me is when Josh is in his bedroom and he's seeing doorknob turn. Yeah. yeah. That- always that terrifies me in real life just imagine you're sitting there in your apartment your house and you just see the doorknob turn and a shadow underneath oh so this is what's also great too because i mean they did show sort of hints you know it's off camera you don't know exactly what's going on but you know maybe somebody else is playing a joke maybe it's not really some entity or anything like that and you know he calls ouija and he's like look stop messing with me i know it's you and he goes what are you talking about and it's like oh they could be playing a joke on him and then the phone picks up and he's like kathy is that you are you on the other line and you know if you don't give it back i'll come up and get it and then ouija goes who was that he's like terrified and i'm just like oh my god that to me tells josh that this shit is real but it's also a super nod to the phone calls is coming from inside of the house you know when a stranger calls it's total that in itself that whole entire scenario is scary to any by any means like parents are out of the house so we added that he's home alone so his parents aren't there so when he gets this phone call and a matter of fact when Ouija says we don't have another phone oh it's coming from your house I was like stop stop yes but he locks the door it's banging and then you can see the footsteps under the the creak of the door like somebody's out there and that yeah that to for kids i think that's a little too far in my opinion like the door was banging like somebody was trying to come through for sure like i mean he climbs out his bedroom window and i remember this scene as a kid because i'm thinking that he's gonna zebo is about to break down that door and he's gonna catch him right as he's trying to come through the window and go down the well yeah he climbed out of a window and jumped on an inflatable floating to- swimming oh, yeah. pool. <laughs> because, you know this rich boy's got a swimming pool in his backyard and shit and and yeah, so this kid, first of all, let's talk about this kid. He is like born a bully. Like he is so typecast. 
Not only was he a bully in this episode, but also on another episode of the show, The Curious Camera, uh, he played in that as well. You're right. There's those actors that are born to be bullies. Yeah. He he bullied Eddie K. Thomas, who was in The Curious Camera. Um, he also was a bully, I believe, in a Goosebumps episode as well. I really, really wish that I can remember the episode um, that he was on. But I believe he also showed up on Goosebumps as well, playing another bully. I mean, this is who he is. And um, I just thought that was funny. But what a punk. Like, I would not want a friend like him. It's just, maybe I'm just too nice, but I don't understand why they're friends. I really don't. It, I mean, it was nice that they apologized to each other, like, within right. the episode. And it was like, I'm being a baby, and I was being hard on you. Like, I get it. They're probably really good to each other. But, like, he's a, he's a dick. Like, I would not want a friend like him. Like, all of that taunting, I would get tired of so much. And I love the little sister, Ouija's little sister. She showed up in another episode as well. If you remember the tale of Old Man Corcoran, one of the other scariest things in this episode was Zebo's theme. I love this circus sort of creepy mixture of sounds and and music that gave him the theme. His theme was great. I love the theme. Sounds like an ice cream truck theme, which can also be scary depending on the time of the day. But I loved his theme. I thought that was great. And um this was also a little weird. Can we put like an epilepsy warning, please, on this? Because if you remember, the door that opens up at the end where Zebo's supposed to be is just a black light. Not a black light, but a streaming light constantly. And in the camera zooms in on it so closely, it's nothing but the light. And it's like, yeah, we need a warning for this episode because that is like super dangerous, but also scary just another sign of the times because nowadays they would have totally put some kind of warning in the beginning right or cut that out completely right right the only other big thing that i noticed is this is that he's heating up spaghetti in the microwave and he opens it up and it's like burning and it's like oh my god how can it burn so fast but why does he pick it up as if it's just like a like just a bowl one of my notes to ask rob was did that turn it looked like it turned into sausages yeah no i mean those were cigars basically my god yes what the image was it was really quick but those were cigars right but he picks up the bowl as if it wasn't heated at all i'm like uh you're saying that it got burnt but yet you're handling this bowl as if it's like with his bare hands like it's nothing i just was i just thought that was so funny but yeah he drops the cigars and then you also see a footprint of his clown foot in the pudding that he dropped on the floor too I mean, it's just more evidence that, you know, somebody was in there. But he also takes out every fork in the draw for some reason. What He was super scared. And I actually really enjoyed that part, too, because he's in his head. He's in this, like, trance. He doesn't even know what he's doing. And he's, like, setting the table. But all he needed was one fork and one knife. And he's just emptying out the whole tray. He He's just scaring himself. And I think that a true scared person who's terrified is in their heads. And they don't know that they're doing that. And I just thought that was a very realistic thing that they had in the episode. I, I was going to say, he ended up actually as one of really the lucky ones. Mm-hmm. Gave back the nose. I think the cigars definitely helped him in that case. I think Zebo appreciated the cigars. But I'm hoping that after this, he was a better friend. The only other thing that I really stood out for me was inside the funhouse, there was that fire-breathing dragon prop which 
I thought was fantastic. But how dangerous is that, though? Like, there wasn't even a cage or anything to block the fire. Like, what did they expect those kids to do? I wonder, because you were mentioning fun houses earlier, have you ever been in like a, a good old-fashioned amusement park funhouse. The closest that I've gotten to that wasn't like super made out of like cardboard cutouts or whatever was I did go to a Halloween Horror Nights event at Universal Studios. I did go, I think, two years ago. And I think because the theme was all movies and stuff, I felt more comfortable. But there is a section of the park where you go through this entire like rundown country town where every person is in this like leather face like get up and they all have chainsaws and they're chasing you around or whatever that's probably the only big thing that i got and the rest of it was all in good fun but yes that would be the closest that i've actually done like an authentic haunted house sort of deal but if you put me in like one that's in a park that nobody knows about and the only function is the haunted house i'm not doing it not doing it we would have been best friends growing up because there was this one amusement park and it actually it's on long island it's called adventureland so weirdly they made a movie about I know. it yeah the the kristen stewart movie. yeah on this amusement park in the 80s which shout outs in long island 80s amusement park but this place opened in like 19 i think i wrote it that 1960 at some point but they had this haunted house that was at the end of the park and they had an animatronic tree that you could hear throughout the park that would just scream that he was being chased by a man in a chainsaw mm. oh terrifying I mean, you as soon as you walked in you heard this tree screaming from the whole park i finally did it as a teenager wow terrified i didn't even want to walk past the building when i discovered when i went inside so dark that you can't see anything and literal trash bags as ghosts black <laughs> trash bags on sticks this was the most unscary haunted house so it just goes to show you sometimes the mind is <laughs> you know life let me just tell you how far back this fear goes for me because it's not like I just was like, yeah, haunted houses I'm not doing. We went on a, do you, okay, so this actually ties into first episode that I did with you. Remember the road trip that I told you about? We went to Disneyland. The whole family went. We went into the haunted mansion. I was the only one that came out crying, like terrified. Was it the dancing ghosts in the it ballroom? Was the dancing ghosts. It was the hands popping out of the grave, um, the gravestones and the coffins and and it was the ghost in the mirror oh that goes home with you yeah 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 so i mean apparently even as a child it's already hinted that i just can't do haunted house so there you have it i would you do the cliche like i know i would always put my hand over my eyes the whole entire time if i needed to and i've done the haunted mansion since as a grown man and yes i think it's visually stunning especially when they turn it into the whole nightmare before christmas thing so, you know, I can laugh at it now, but back then, yeah, when I was a kid, yeah, totally ter ter terrified. Um, the only other thing that I really had about this episode was that um, the actor who plays Zebo in the Carney Circus person is played by this gentleman named Aaron Tager, who is a series sort of repetitive person in the episodes and he is the one that is playing our infamous dr vink you couldn't tell at first because dr vink has a full-on beard well while um zebo the carney does not have a beard at all and he also uses a different voice so 
he's very versatile this actor very versatile but this actor also showed up in an episode of goosebumps as well if you remember the kid who got piano lessons and he oh. was a piano teacher he's like the hands you have to protect the hands that is him damn you're bringing me back so um this gentleman played in six episodes and five of those six episodes was Mr. Vink or Dr. Vink. And then that one off was Zebo the clown. He brought, I mean, the chill to that. Like you said, at the end, when he's smoking the cigar and you realize the whole time that he is Zebo. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. This is pretty much the only time that Gary says something sort of official other than, I declare the Midnight Society closed. And this one, he didn't say it because the episode ended with the campers or not, I shouldn't say campers, but the storytellers. One of them scares the other one because she is afraid of clowns and they all run off. So Gary couldn't really close the meeting out because they all left. So he says meeting adjourned and he flings the water into the fire and then everybody runs. So that's it. It's the only time he does not close out the show properly. So this is a very unique episode that I like. And we get the cold opening without the, the, you know, the normal setting up the story. And exactly. then that, didn't even notice that. So what I wanted to do with you, Ryan, before we get to your tale is I wanted to talk about lessons learned. So what did we learn from this episode? Don't be a dick. Like, don't be friends with Josh because he plays a villain in every 90s show. <laughs> um... Also, it is okay to be scared. You can be afraid. It is not a bad thing. It does not make you any less a man. Yes, yes. Bullying is wrong. Bullying is so wrong. No bullying. That is another lesson. Also, do not disrespect the dead. If anything, you do not want them following you home. I'm sorry. Even if there's a chance that you could do something that this tale was real about Zebo, I personally, yes, I would not play with fire. And last but not least... Karma is a bitch. So there are your lessons from the tale of laughing in the dark. Also to put a pot holder on your hands, if you're going to take something out of the microwave. I don't know what that was, but okay. Yeah, exactly. So Betty Ann is your, is your favorite storyteller, you think? Or yes. one of them? Yes. She has a way of mixing horror with fantasy very well. And then, like I said earlier, I think some of her endings do not end very well. Um, The Nightly Neighbors is another example where the villain technically won, you know, horror won. And, and I like that about Betty isn't it crazy that they actually stuck with character developments like this character usually does these kinds of episodes yep. i think that genius especially for a kid's show to yeah. remember a certain i always want to call them counselors as uh part of the midnight society has like a taste and a style to their stories yeah I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I remember when I was younger, they would sort of do their little storyline or whatever. And then they'd be like, who's going tonight? And I'm like, Betty Ann, Betty Ann, Betty Ann. And then they would call her name. And I'm like, yes, a Betty Ann story. You know, so yeah, there was a point. And then, you know, when you get Gary, you're going to hear a Sardo and you're going to hear Bink with a Frank. And that's something to look forward to. I think that's awesome. Kiki. Yeah. Yeah. Kiki, you're like, oh, I'm going to get people that look like me. So yay for Kiki. Yes. I And I love that that was part of the elements. You have mm -hmm. no representation. And if the person, yeah. you know, telling the story doesn't get to represent themselves. So I'll I'll say this because I was going to bring this up at some point And but you keep bringing up these points. So it makes sense to do it now. The Nickelodeon 
Are You Afraid of the Dark show, diversity was a very strong mandate at Nickelodeon as a whole. So with that being said, the series ended up being nominated for an NAACP award. Nickelodeon also turned away kids if they were too Disney. I love that. So DJ or McHale, excuse me, described as apple pie, freckles, cute, or over the top act you could not be on our show. That might have grounded it really in reality as well because yeah. this is a grittier show than nothing was like this. I mean, the goosebumps, but... And this show definitely did have diversity and we'll definitely get into that with your episode as we get one of our few interracial coupling. Nickelodeon wants you to know that not all the scenes in Are You Afraid of the Dark are scary. For example, in this scene, just a boy listening to the radio... Okay, skip that. Well, right here, just a girl with a flashlight. Wow! Next, okay. Not a bit scary here with the glasses. Wow! All right, it's a little scary, but if it wasn't, you'd have no excuse to hide under the furniture. Watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Every Saturday at 9.38, 30 Central, only on SNCC. And what a classic episode. Funny, you were just mentioning, it's Zebo, and then we continue our episode. Okay, so the episode that I, the second episode of the second season, so we both somehow picked episode two of the season that we ended up picking, but this is the tale of the Midnight Madness. I loved this episode as a kid, and I loved it even more watching it over again. Yeah, I mean, this this has to do with movies, so of course. Both of our out. It had a you know an usher or you know an, an employee who was also black i worked at a theater this was this was me on screen and i love that so yes this episode is very close to me maybe that's why i picked it i <laughs> i felt this in my heart felt this in my heart you no know, great great episode and pete is the character that we're talking about mm -hmm. and throughout this whole thing i love this character's dedication to saving this historic theater so basically it's this old time theater that i don't know how long it was open i don't think i have a certain date that it was open but it's a movie theater called the rialto yes um and it's one of those classic looking theaters that hopefully, you know, praying that all of our movie theaters in 2020 stay open. But this is very topical. They're trying to stay open. They're not making money. The movies that they're showing evidently aren't doing for these people. There's this one old lady that seems to be the only patron that comes uh, that we see. And Pete wants to save this. He's out there putting flyers. I love this kid's dedication. So we have the two characters. One is Pete, which is Rob on film. <laughs> and the other female lead is Katie, which is his his love interest, or he wants it to be a love interest. Although Katie is oblivious, I feel like, to all of his advances. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Yeah, I was going to bring that up later. So we want to save the theater. They're struggling. There's this one manager that's you know, every cliche to feel like Italian manager in a movie or something. Just all in it for the money. All in for the money. Matter of fact, they made $6 on a Friday night. Yeah. Wow. Well, they only showed older films and it was only one screen. So if you didn't want to see the literal movie that they were showing that week, nothing. Which I could understand, especially if you're showing the same movie night after night. Yeah. The movie theater is doing so bad that Katie is reusing the cups that Pete gathered when he is cleaning out the theater. I could not believe this. I I texted Rob. I stopped the episode when I was watching it. This nasty lady, Katie, <laughs> she dumped basically, the woman just, th this 
older woman that keeps coming. She leaves her cup on the concession stand. Katie dumps the ice and the rest of the soda on the floor and puts it back in the stack. I was just, yeah, I was taken back by Katie. I know you're not doing well, but you got a whole stack there. No one's coming. Use a new cup, Katie. <laughs> saving money, I guess. She's really saving. I don't think the manager asked for that. It's not coming out yeah. of her day. <laughs> She's actually looking for another job. So Pete is nervous because he wants to ask her out or at least work with her a little more because this is his crush. She don't care. She's looking for another job. And then Dr. Vink comes one night with a canister and his movie. So he tells him that his movie is different where it's a vampire movie. The vampire ends up not being killed at the end of the movie. And it's not your typical horror movie in that. And I believe it's it's just, a, it's also a silent movie, which is another part. So he makes an offer to save the theater, play his movie. And then if it does well, he wants one night a week to play his other film which at that point hell they're not doing great why not take him up on the off the manager agrees well he he leaves the canister the guy the manager's like whatever i don't believe him he sounds like because how can he guarantee that people are going to come and so he just like throws it out but pete keeps it and then they just can you want continue on right, doing, they're doing a doing. montage of pete so, trying to save the theater again you know, flyers yeah, yeah. This kid is dedicated to his job. So they, it turns out they're going to be closing in two weeks. So Pete remembers that they have the canister. And it just so happens that they got lucky that the current movie playing that night, projector explodes or goes on fire. And how does it do that? The movie willed it. Good point. Yeah, the movie needed to be played. And so the the canister sort of glows and it destroys the movie. And so now you have to play our movie. I mean, we had to make a move. You weren't going to make the move. I'm going to make it for well, you. You know, they didn't seem too bad that night when Katie tells them that they're going to give them money. The whole place is full. I love the fact that they've got so many customers that one time. And I was like, oh, what happened to like never having any kind of... <laughs> And right, you, you mentioned earlier, they only play old black and white movies at this theater. When she mentions it's a silent film, these, oh, these people groan and every, you're watching an old, I mean, a black and white movie. I mean, I know the film is, yeah. at that point, yes, it is going back even further, but that same old woman's in the audience again. You almost mm -hmm. think that something was going to, if you didn't know, like if you're watching this for the first time, you might feel like, oh, I wonder if she's part of the plan. No, she must just live locally. Yeah. So they put the movie on and it is a Nesferatu type vampire with that classic look of Nesferatu, the silent film. Pale, long, long fingers. I, I like my vampires with the long fingers. I don't know about you, Rob. <laughs> yeah, no, his, his fingers, I think, were his best features. <laughs> no, I mean, we can talk about like, you know, how grotesque and scary he looked the veins and whatnot but just him grabbing the door and those long fingers you can hear it crackling i thought that was his best scariest feature of of nosferatu in this episode You're right he um again with doors in this show all it needs to take is show a shadow underneath a door and in this time that hand oh my god yeah no so good, so good. and like rob said he is a veiny fella the vampire comes off the screen, much like an episode of the 1998 Charm series, Chick Flick, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, where the, the demon of illusions was bringing movies to life. But this time, Dr. Ving, I guess magically, his, his film, the vampire comes off the screen. That's how he came off the screen. Pete thought it was a dream. Then he, he's running amok. Oh, yes, their manager gets bitten 
so they're kind of yes. okay there's a vampire something's going on here oh yeah we get to the part where our our lovely sweet pete is about to maybe get a kiss and this is when we hear a scream and then we find the manager so the boy Never got his kiss with Katie. And then we get this montage of the, the Nesferatu is only really in the theater. They just keep going back to different rooms. And it turns out that Katie ends up in the projection room. And Peter is in the theater. And he decides, I guess, to see if the what's happening and how Nesferatu got off the screen. So he touches the screen and he too goes into the movie. It's the opposite. He goes into the movie, becomes black and white, and Nesferatu's out. Katie says she's going to shut the film off. Pete, the smart guy that he is says no then i'll be stuck in here makes sense <laughs> so to end the show nesferatu goes back into the movie where pete is stuck and he decides to open the window and nesferatu burns up in the sunlight much like your classic vampire movie yeah so yeah um pete wanted to do what the main character was supposed to do from the start which is put the coffin in the light in the sunlight and he just wanted to finish the job and then nesferatu came in and tried to stop him and instead he just pulled the curtain down um because the villain won in the original and he wanted to change and so that's why he wanted to go inside um but yeah you know awesome ending i love when nosferatu comes back into the film and then he does that like boom yes. like he just popped in and um did you think it was out of place for nosferatu to yell and and you could hear his voice when he was getting right burnt? because this is technically supposed to be a silent movie we didn't hear one peep out of him when he was in the real world did you think it was out of place or was there a reason why he got to speak or we got I to hear think the only reason that I thought of watching it this time was because we could hear Pete speaking. So maybe we're hearing what it was like inside the movie where can hear like, those characters can hear each other. But you're right. I, that was out of place. I wonder if they almost, but I love that yeah. Pete, like you said, he's, he drags the coffin so easily. He just picks that shit up and just drags it. Like it was cardboard possibly was. Yeah. So at the end of this, Dr. Vink comes back. And he has bought the movie theater. The movie theater is saved, but now he can show his movies every night. <laughs> well, that that's... <laughs> I love that laugh. Um, so yeah, that was the sort of pivotal move of his, right? You know, and, and maybe we'll talk about this later. Well, actually, you know what? No, let's bring it up later. Scratch what I was about to say. I will bring up later. What were you? So continue. What were you going to do? Uh, so I loved how that ended. I love that twist. Um, hopefully Katie and Pete quit and go on to greener pastures. You wonder if they have a responsibility to like continue to stop them or make sure these movies aren't played. You know, like we can definitely have this ending of like, oh no, he's gonna play more movies but it's like do they just go on with their lives or do they feel like they have a responsibility to make sure people know that you're in danger you know like you wonder how this could have ended well what was the ultimate plot you think too like dr vink did want to just kill some people like what was his ultimate goal with bringing these characters off the and and that's what's so crazy about this character this dr vink we don't know what he's a doctor of his backstory and his reasoning for being seems to change all the time. He always has these different professions, but I think it's to just invoke fear. It's just to spread fear around the world. That's the only thing that I can think of because everything that he seems to do in, in, you know, in each story that he plays in, with the exception of Cutter's Treasure, 
is he's either a very curious human being that just wants to discover all of these different things that are in the world that we don't know right. exist, or he wants to manipulate people's fear. And that that's the only thing that I can think of. He is a doctor that is fascinated with people getting scared. When you mentioned fear, I wonder if it's almost like, this is going back to us being Charmed fans, but I wonder if he's almost like an entity that maybe fe feeds off fear. Maybe he, I would love to hear more about Dr. Vink. I mean, he does make, like you said, other yeah. appearances, but yeah, like a Dr. Vink um, prequel. Yeah, we would, I would love a backstory to this, but yeah, we don't, we don't really get to learn exactly who he is and why he's doing this. But yeah, I, I particularly like this one a lot because again, the whole movie aspect and I think it genuinely was scary. It did have some core elements for sure in this. Um, I thought Nosferatu's makeup was brilliant. Oh, yes. Really, really well. The music theme of Nosferatu just in the silent film. I love that score so that much. I that love that is score. terrifying and it does not need anything. Like you said, the score adds to it. That movie, just seeing his shadow in certain parts of that movie. And they did, they captured that Nesferatu um, in this show so well, like the, you know, the original silent Nesferatu movie. Oh, good. Yeah. What I thought was funny, though, was that there was this side storyline of Pete trying to get this girl. And I was like, it really didn't have anything to do with the story. But for some reason, they wanted this kid to continue trying to go out with this girl. And it was weird because she denies him the yeah, first total, time. Total. And then the second time, she kind of plays with him, knowing that she, he, you know, he likes her. And then agrees. And then almost kissed him. So it's just like, I don't even know. Like, do you really like this dude? Are you? I don't know. It just seemed weird. I, I don't know the time frame had passed, like between the first time he asked her out versus the second, but it's like, what's changed since then? Well, I you wonder know? if it was a bunch of time because he did mention that when the manager, when Dr. Vink comes back, he's like, oh, we don't need you anymore. We're doing great again or something like that. So I wonder if it did take a few months, maybe of... It probably did. Maybe she just grew more into him or whatnot. It's just her hesitation before I just thought was interesting because we didn't get his heroic moment until after right. she agreed to go out Right, it wasn't like that him, so made her turn on all of a sudden. What changed her mind? I, I don't know. But I just thought that was an interesting side plot for this episode. I'll tell you what would have changed my mind if I was Pete having her dunk those cups out and reuse them. What else? this girl do at her house <laughs> well so a couple of things that i noticed from this episode and that i also read about uh dj um McHale, who is you know showrunner of the show i went to a horror convention um it's called midsummer scream and they have it in long beach here in california every year and i was so happy to be able to do this they had a panel and it always came out around my birthday weekend so it was actually on my birthday that I got to go to this panel. Wow. And so uh, DJ McMurray was there and a whole bunch of fans. And he just talked about the history and all that good stuff. I went there and I got to bring my very custom made that I made myself. I wore a hoodie that I made and it's nothing extravagant or whatever, but I had some custom lettering on there. And this is what I have. It has member of the Midnight Society oh, from 9196. Screenshot because I need this for in my life. Okay, so Rob and I are talking through Zoom and we could see each other. This hoodie is amazing. It says member of the Midnight Society, yeah. 91 to 96. 
did he get to see this? Um, I was in the audience. You know, I didn't really stand up and like present myself. I he did not, but other people did notice it and give me sort of props for having it on or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I had to get it made because I am such a big fan, and I wanted to treat it like a college jersey and whatnot. Um, I got college the letters. On this is so college. It looks like you would see like a, yeah. a college jersey or college sweatshirt so at the um at the panel um he was asked what his favorite episode is the um dj mac hale he said midnight he said madness this was his wow this is his favorite episode of the series so um you picked a really good one i'm so glad because you know what when i was wanting to do this with you this was the episode that always stood out to me i feel like i too just love that movie theater aspect something about a theater something about a silent film and vampires Mm -hmm. okay so you really dig vampires i guess and i i guess with the long fingers unless we're talking sexy vampires because i don't want my david (laughs) boreanis angel with long fingers but (laughs) we're talking about vampires (laughs) give me the long fingers give me the nails that are overgrown okay so let's talk about the cast for a second to segue from your vampire loveness um, so the actor who plays Nosferatu in this episode, so he is Harry uh, Stanjovsky. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. <clears throat> so the actor who plays um, Nosferatu in this episode um, is named Christopher um, Heyerdahl. So this actor has a very distinctive face. And anytime that I see him, it's like, I know you, you are, you are, you know, Nosferatu, but he is also shows up in another episode called the 13th, the 13th floor. floor, right? That's right. That's right. So he is the tall elevator operator, one of the three aliens that show up on the 13th floor. So he has a very square hairline long hair but he is the elevator operator if you remember it's the same i can remember that they looked very like everything was very angular with their hair and their clothing was like Mm -hmm. such a 90s looking abstracty (laughs) clothes and um so yeah he was in that episode but then he also this is not the first time he's played a vampire so he also played um um vampire marcus in the Twilight films, he was one of the three, the leaders. Wait, what does this man look like in real life? Look him up. He is, yeah, he's Vampire Marcus, who sat, I think, left chair to Michael Sheen's character when he was lead vampire. 100%. Okay. Iceman's face now, if you saw it with him out of makeup, 100%, you would know this man. Which, again, is another compliment to the makeup used for Nosferatu. I mean, he's unrecognizable. But again, the acting and his mannerisms, you can totally see this guy. So I love that. But here's the other thing. So in 13th Floor had um, a very young Aaron Ashmore, who is twin brother to Sean Ashmore, who was Iceman in our X-Men films. So in this episode, there is heavy ties to X-Men. So Harry um, Stanjovsky, so he played Mr. Kristoff, our manager. Yeah. He was a groundskeeper in Days of Future Past. Which is one yeah, of my yeah. favorite out of Yeah, so there was a smaller role for a groundskeeper, and he was there, and I recognized him. I was like, he's from Midnight Madness. And our very own Mr. Dr. Vink, 
Aaron Tager, he played an MC in the original X-Men movie when he was introducing Wolverine, when he was fighting. Yeah. He was the MC. Dr. Vink was the MC. Yeah. So heavy ties to X-Men. I love that. Um, our uh, Miss Katie, our, you know, unsanitary uh, employee, uh, Melanie um, Weisenthal, this was her literal only role she's ever done. Yeah, I looked her up. She has not done anything else besides this. Not even a soup commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that I would see her in more because I actually enjoyed her acting. Yeah, she totally plays that character. You know that kind of girl that, uh, eh, I'll get yeah. another job. Uh, you know, don't care. I'm yeah. only here until it's... <laughs> until it's good enough for me and then I'm out. I don't care about you, Pete. The only other thing I did want to ask you if, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get to do another Are You Afraid of the Dark favorite episodes. I mean, I would love to in the future. But are there other episodes that stand out for you that you absolutely love? Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Um, I don't know how much time you have. I'll try and keep this small. But there are there are two off the bat that I will mention. If you want more, I'll give you more. Um, the first one is the tale of the crimson clown. Oh. Now, yes, I'm dealing with another clown story, but I'm telling you, they utilize the clown aspect very, very well. Which, by the way, had a Zebo cameo because it is about a kid who is very, very bad, and his brother teased him, and he was like, "If you don't behave, then the crimson clown will come and get you." And they were supposed to buy a present for his mother for her birthday. He steals the money and buys a video game. The video game, the video game is Zebo the Clown. Zebo the Clown shows up on a video cartridge cover art. God. And yeah, it's the only other time you will see Zebo the Clown, I think. The Crimson Clown, I thought was super scary because the antics that the clown was pulling to scare this kid, it was very Freddy Krueger to such a degree. The voice about you've been bad. Do you know what happened? You know, like he, this kid was getting attacked. I'm sorry. Like this kid went through it. And I really, really enjoyed the tricks and the special effects and the um, set pieces that were used. You know, they had the hand coming out of the TV and he was getting attacked in bed. Very there were a good. lot of like, fake outs that were done very well. But um, this is what I found really crazy about it. So the clown. Um, this is from an episode in season three. Um, the, cl the clown that's in the episode was sold on eBay for almost $11,600. Holy crap. That must have been, I can't even imagine the person that bought that. That is a, yeah. a collector's item. And this clown definitely pays heavy homage to the clown from the Poltergeist films and whatnot. I mean, there's a little bit of tie with that, but that is a really good episode. The other one that I'll say right off the bat that is amazing um, is Dead Man's Float. I mean, it's probably the scariest one out of the entire series. I feel like people think of Zebo um, and Dead Man's Float always comes up. Dead Man's Float is amazing. So, so good. And um, a very, very, very young Jay Barishall. I don't know if you know who this kid is do you know who jay bearsall is so he was the sorcerer's apprentice to nicholas cage in the disney film oh holy crap you know who he is yes yeah he's part of the you know seth rogan team you know this is the end he's the one in the movie that loves backstreet boys or whatever so he plays the little boy <laughs> that drowns in the beginning 
he was sort of the first victim. So you remember in Dead Man's Float, the janitor is working there to make sure nobody discovers the swimming pool and whatever. He was a lifeguard at the time, and he had his girlfriend over, and her little brother drowned. He was the little brother. I never, but speaking of that, I love that fact. But I always wondered with Dead Man's Float, why didn't they dr- drain that pool if it was such a... Well, yeah, I mean, they just covered up, they hid it, and I don't know why they didn't, you know, I don't, how can you prove anything happened? It, it was just an accident, you know? But the fact that a kid died in there, they just, they just covered it up with the wall, and... Just cover it up, why not? Cover it up with a wall. Exactly. You know, Captured Souls, only because it was a black, um, dominated cast list, I love that. The, uh... Crimson Clown, because it was so good. Just what a villain. Gaffney Grinner, what a freaking villain. Gaffney I love it. Grinner. The other one that I'll highlight is from the Revival series. It's actually, I think, the literal first episode of the Revival series. And I want to say maybe Tucker, Gary's brother, is the one who told the story. I could be wrong. But it's the tale of the forever game. And it's it's almost like Phantom Cab. It just has these two kids who get lost in the woods, just like they did. And they come upon this tree that has a hole in it. And inside is this little boy who is, for some reason, stuck in there. But he wants to play a board game. And the board game affects the atmosphere and the environment of the woods. So it's like Jumanji to, like... And I love Jumanji. So, like, of course... This game board, I love board games. So like this episode definitely stood out. Anytime they landed on something, it would affect the outside. And I, I really love that episode. So even though, yes, we got a revival. It was a little watered down, more kiddish. Don't hate on the revival series. There are a lot of good episodes that came out of the revival. I did not see really any of the of that series. I wish those were on DVD and they're not. I wish they were, but they had some really good episodes come out of that. And they brought back Gary? Is this in, in the... No, they brought back uh, Tucker, Gary's little Brother, girl. Okay. So, Gary yeah. doesn't make an okay, appearance. Yeah, our, our DeSantos from Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what episode really also... It was between... The move the, the it was between the episode I picked today and also the Tia and Tamara episode with the <laughs> the, oh, the chameleons. Yes, this episode traumatized me also because at the end the evil chameleon gets away with it. It's yeah, she picked the wrong one. Oh my god! And that poor friend, she was fighting tooth and nail. Well, first off, Tia or Tamara, the character, whoever it was that she was playing, didn't do anything wrong either. She, matter of fact, is stopping this kid that's tormenting animals in a pet shop. That's why I felt terrible for her. And then she ended up yeah. bit by a was it a chameleon? Yeah, it was a chameleon. yeah, it was a chameleon. I mean, I mean, they want it for themselves. That they didn't care. Yes, you are a protector of animals, but I'm trying to live. I want to be human. I'm getting out of here. And getting out of here, she does, or he, the chameleon. I don't yeah. know if it. Was... But the fact that the friend picked the wrong girl, oh, gives me chills. And she threw her down the well or something, like in a well or something at the end. Yeah, something like that Ooh. happened. Yeah, sad. And then there's also the I'm cold episode. um, The frozen ghost. The frozen ghost. I feel like this is only known because it's the Melissa Joan Hart episode. Yeah, this is when they really wanted to start bringing in some like star power into the show. And she was one of the very first special guests that actually had like a career. So is this when we went to, I guess we're full on Nickelodeon at this point and Nick is maybe trying to cross promote 
Clarissa slash Are You Afraid of the Dark, Snick. Yeah, exactly. And then the other episode that always sticks out to me is when the poor girl gets stuck in the dollhouse that her friend or her... So everyone... Everyone loves the dollhouse one, and I don't see it. I watch it, and I think she looks super sad in her, like, half-done makeup as a doll. I think some of the elements are creepy, like her almost falling out of the door that's nothing's there. Like, don't you see? He's like, look, there's nothing there. And I'm like, wow, that revelation is really terrifying. But I don't get the appeal of the dollhouse episode. Everybody loves this. I don't see it. I don't think it's a great episode. I just feel like I'm always... I get scarred for life when these children are, like, stuck in things and they can never see their families ever again. And then they... You have a lot of people who agree with you on this. So it's just me. I, I don't know, but I just can't see it. But I mean, I get it. It's, it's a good one. But everyone really likes this one. I think I might be because I mix up that one with the one when the girl, she was uh, mute and she couldn't escape and she wrote on the walls. And she's, I feel like I get those mixed up because it took place in a house, but there's a ghost that. No, they're very similar. So that was, I think, the third episode. That was the Lonely Ghost. The Lonely Ghost, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the lonely ghost. Yeah. Um our cousin like dares her to go next to her mean redhead. It's always a redhead yeah. in this show. Like, always a redhead. <laughs> so Rob, going with your theme earlier, what are the lessons learned in this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Okay, what do you okay, so you go first. This is your episode. What's what's the lessons learned from from you? What did you get? <laughs> I was gonna say, don't try to save your job. By handing out flyers because no one will care um <laughs> also don't try to hit on your your co-worker if she's so uninterested in you i felt so bad for him <laughs> i did too I, again i don't see the point in this storyline but he was really trying and I, I commend him for not giving up that was one of my lessons was don't give up when it comes to a person that you admire or a thing that you believe in um i think that pete definitely set a very good example of somebody that should never quit on something that they really want, you know, not to guarantee that it'll work. Obviously in this case, the episode did not end in the protagonist's favor, but I think it's a really good lesson to just continue trying. Do not let a no or a rejection stop you. And that boy did two things. He didn't want save in the theater and he was going for her and he did both with heart. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of did save the theater in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And the only other lesson um, I can think of is when you go to this theater, make sure you bring your own, your own, so, no, your own drinks. I don't know. One <laughs> pub was probably from the garbage, knowing Katie. Oh my God, right? Yeah. Um, I asked me out so much, but just the thought of a stranger's thing that was on the floor or just, ugh, yeah. sticky. No, on the floor in a movie theater you know those people are throwing those cups those damn people they don't put their garbage away i totally i totally get it um the only lessons i have here is um you know uh appreciate the golden age of silent films appreciate classic films things like that and then i also have here do not make promises that you cannot keep this is something that i was going to bring up earlier during your description of the episode but the only reason why nosferatu came out of the film is because they did not honor the promise that in the deal that was given to them that he had to show one of his movies a night a week now he rejected this because since they were popular they were getting newer films 
to show on the weekend. So they would lose money if they didn't show these newer films. He's thinking business and he did not live up to his promise. That's the only reason why Nosferatu came but out. how new were these films, by the way? It's all black and white, right? So it looked like a Western, old Western movie. It was- but that's the thing. I think that nobody wanted to put any sort of blockbuster film in this theater. Now, I don't know if the Rialto was made only to show classics, oh, right. but they wanted to sort of go into the business of showing the same films at multiplexes. So all they, so the, so the canister made the other film break so they can show the other one. Therefore they would get popular and then bank would have a way to show his other film, but they broke the promise and that's why Nosferatu came out. So they wouldn't even have to deal with this crap if they had just stuck to what they were supposed to do. So that is my last lesson. (laughs) And why didn't I get that, like, the first for my lesson? That's the most important lesson of this whole, whole episode. That's 100% the lesson. Some of the quotes that I love from this episode, too, is he found, like, the cheesiest way to, like, touch her (laughs) when the theater was, like, a hit. And he's like, let's hug again. I'm like, so cheesy. I love that line. But what I also thought was very pivotal of this episode, too, is that, you know, they see the manager getting bit and, you know, Pete's like, I think I saw Nosferatu come out of the film. And Katie's like, movies aren't real. And I was just like, I really like that line because it definitely just divides this whole like, you better start believing otherwise you're going to die. But it was like, movies aren't well, they're not. And, you know, Dr. Vink, he's like, I don't want your popcorn money. (laughs) (laughs) I love that line so much. I just thought that was so good. I love that he pulls out the deed to the theater out of a popcorn uh, at the the end of the show. So classy. Such a funny, but that hug, I laughed so hard rewatching that. That moves, I mean, that seems like a good (laughs) read. So I want to thank my co-host for this week, Rob. Again, he is so knowledgeable on everything that I love, and I just love hearing his opinions on things and going over all of these memories that were so important to me as a child and reliving them each week, especially with people like Rob. It's just a wonderful experience to be able to do this and Rob, again, where can the people find you? (laughs) All right. Well, um, if any of you are interested in the other two podcasts that I do run currently right now, I have a movie uh, podcast called Movie Geek and Proud. I'm on Twitter at MGNP Podcast. And you can also look up um, us on Instagram at Movie Geek and Proud, all one word. We also have the Charm Podcast on Twitter, BWTH podcast and we are on instagram brunch with the hollowells all one word and uh yeah um movie geek and proud is a little bit on hiatus but we're gonna come back super strong after the election and brunch with the hollowells is currently every sunday during brunch i know where i am every sunday they're <laughs> having brunch with Rob and Sean, and we're here in charmed memories. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ryan, for having me on your show again. I cannot wait to do our next episode. Next week, we are talking about another classic movie. This time, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. It's a Halloween movie. What could it be? Oh my god, I'm so excited! And anybody who wants to prep for this movie, it is currently on Hulu. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Thank you again, Rob. Again, the show. 
Radical Retro Podcast on Instagram. One word as well. Thank you so much for listening this week. And remember these lessons, everybody. Keep your promises and open the right door or you might meet Zebo. The end. Wow. So the Ryan in this story, is that you? That was my podcast. Not many people have a voice like this. And the guy who you did the episode with, what was his name again? Geeky Raw, all one word. And you said this took place in October, right? That's right. Right around Halloween time. Ryan, um, I looked this guy up. Yeah? And it says that he died in July of that same year. What? Do you think? No way. His voice was so clear. With that being said, I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.